Thank you for tuning your hearts in for another episode of the Hearts Rise Up podcast. I'm Carol Chapman, your host, along with my co-hosts, Ann Sari and Conchetta Antonelli. We share our own personal experiences, tips, and strategies, along with powerful stories and compelling insights from guest interviews. We're here to inspire and empower your conscious evolution, help you tap into your inner wisdom and rise to your heart-centered higher self. Together, we can rise to a higher level of consciousness, an elevated state of being, and experience more love, joy, and freedom. Well, welcome back. Thank you for joining me again for another episode of the Hearts Rise Up podcast. I'm Carol Chapman, your host, and I have a really special guest with me today. His name is Timothy Stutz. Timothy is one of the most prolific children's authors of all time. Having just completed his 86th fairy tale of the heart featuring Blissberry Bear, he's the creator of the magical miracle of you a self-empowerment course for children and families. He also created the Power Animal Frolics, a yoga, tai chi, qigong course for children where they exercise along with seven power animals in Disney quality costumes. Timothy also runs a Quantum Energy Training Academy where he's been certifying graduates to teach multiple forms of quantum energy healing, meditation, yoga, Qigong, and Tai Chi for over 35 years. Timothy's programs and services inspire everyone to achieve their full mental, physical, emotional, and heart-filled potential. They are enriched through his having held children and others at birth and death and coaching people of all ages through a variety of life challenges. Using fairy tales, ancient arts, sacred sciences, and everything in between, He empowers people of all ages to develop and use their infinite soul powers to achieve their full potential. Timothy, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Carol. My heart is very happy and bouncy to be here with you and all the listeners. (laughs) Well, it is so great to have you here. I would love for you to share your personal story Particularly, like many people, it's easy to get caught up in all the internal drama of our minds, continuously sabotaging ourselves with all these subconscious conditioned thought patterns over time that really keep us from realizing our full and glorious divine potential. I know that you are someone who has overcome things in your life, some drama and trauma, and I'd love for you to share your story and what you've been through. And then we'll go into talking about what you're bringing to the world today with your courses, your training, the academy, and the fairy tales. (laughs) Oh, I had an astrologer one time tell me, you do not change jobs, you change careers. I wish I had met that astrologer earlier in my life. Yes, I think many of us do, for sure. I graduated from college and went into being a certified public accountant. And even in college, I didn't know what I wanted to be. I loved writing. 
I mean, I, I really just absolutely loved writing from being on a high school journalism newspaper. And that was my favorite class. And when I got to college, it only took one English professor to kind of quelch my love of, <laughs> of writing. I started off majoring in microbiology and that was only because my grandfather had promised to pay for my college education if I was a doctor, dentist, or a lawyer. I never liked doctors. I didn't want to be a lawyer. And so I chose microbiology for dentistry and soon found out that I really wasn't cut out for microbiology. So I changed majors nine times looking for something that felt right to me, something that felt good. I love that. I love that. I finally decided I was going to be a physical education teacher in school and minor in business to go along with that. So I took an accounting class and found out I was really good at accounting and always had been good at math. And the teacher said, you could make a good living doing this. So I switched my major to accounting, graduated in the top of my class and got a job with one of the largest international CPA firms six months before I even graduated from college. Wow. You know, did that for two and a half years. And, you know, when I, when I got there, I noticed that the partners, you know, they were bald and gray hair and <laughs> I was 21 and I thought they were in their sixties. And when I found out they were in their forties, I realized, oh my God. <laughs> I realized, you know, that this, this does not look like a long-term <laughs> gig that I want to hang out with. And well, I can relate because earlier in my career, I had worked for an accounting firm, but it was first an accounting firm, second a tax firm, and then thirdly a consulting firm. And I went in to do consulting with them. And I knew after about two years that this was not the place for me. So I can definitely really relate to what you're saying and just in terms of just realizing it's not for you, but good for you for realizing that. Tell me more. What happened after that? I went to work in private industry and in, in private industry, I found out the same thing that I found out with the CPA firm that at least with the large firm I was with and dealing with certain people, there wasn't a lot of integrity. Then I went out and did some private consulting and set up my own CPA firm, set up a consulting firm, put on a series of seminars around the country for mortgage bankers. Then I, I don't know, I had a dream one night. And in this dream, I was shown that I knew a type of healing that wasn't well known. And even even before that, I'm, I'm going to back up a little bit here. It's been so long, you know, I kind of get my timeline mixed up. But when I was doing one of those seminars, the last seminar I was flying to, I knew that that was over. I knew that that part of my life was over. And mm -hmm. I had a, I woke up one morning and I looked at my partner and the first thing out of my mouth, I mean, the very first thought waking up in the morning was if Hershey's can make kisses, I can make chocolate French kisses. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew nothing about making chocolate, but I did know about design and bringing people together to create a product. So I hired somebody to make the chocolates, hired somebody to package the design for me. And so my intent was literally just to market and sell these chocolate French kisses. And the people that contracted with me to actually dip the chocolates when they saw the packaging and everything, they saw that this might be something that took off really well. So they tripled the price on me. Oh my goodness, really? Yeah, and, and that didn't fit into the budget. So I opened my own little 
candy shop. I bought the equipment to make candy. I found another older couple that had been making chocolate for 30 or 40 years as a family business, and they taught me how to dip chocolates. And so I, I set up my own chocolate company. I love that, going from CPA to candy maker. <laughs> I mean, what a switch. <laughs> From certified public accountant to chocolatier. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I, I didn't realize, you know, I was buying really good chocolate. I didn't know much about it because this was the chocolate that the people that taught me how to make chocolate used. And I didn't know that most of the chocolates sold worldwide and shipped are full of wax so they don't melt. And my chocolate didn't have a lot of wax. So I was limited to when I could ship or I had to ship with dry ice and Anyway, there were there were lots of things that sabotaged that business, but I followed my heart. I opened it and one day I received a box, a large box at that chocolate shop that I didn't order, which was amazing. I opened up the box when the UPS guy said, nope, this is your address. You're going to keep this. <laughs> and I opened up the box and looked in and there was 50 little teddy bears staring up at me. Mm. And being a certified public accountant in auditing, which you investigate a lot of things and loving Hardy Boy books when I was growing up and the adventure and the mystery, I decided I was going to find where those bears belonged. And I, I did find the owners and they had the bears made overseas and their intermediary decided he was going to smuggle a box of their bears in for his own and sell them in his little shop. <laughs> and I always seem to find, you know, it's like if people are doing things that are not in integrity, yeah, for some reason around me, they come to light. <laughs> Busted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of the reasons I got out of the CPA business and things. I found things that I shouldn't have found. I actually went back in as a CPA when the chocolate shop didn't work out like I thought it would. I needed some money. So I took a job again and within two weeks of being there, discovered that the man that hired me had embezzled about two and a half, three million dollars from people and, you know, just spent it on personal things. And I left that little short gig with a gun in my chest. Mm. That kind of told me that I was really supposed to stay away from this line of work. Mm -hmm. Those little bears, I carried one of them in my car with me. I set him on the passenger seat. And after two weeks of riding around with this little bear, I picked him up at a stop sign one day. And I said, who are you? And this little bear surprisingly said to me, I'm poet bear. That is just so too funny. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And it, it fit because I wrote poetry. I wrote love poetry. I wrote philosophical poetry and poetry about life. And so I packaged that little bear with a book of my poetry, put them together. And when I got everything together and set it on the candy counter stand to sell, my mom took one look at it and said, well, you kind of blew it. That should have been a children's book. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And I, I said, mom. Light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> I said, mom, read my little book. There's nothing in there for children. <laughs> It's love poetry, it's life poetry, it's philosophy, it's deep. <laughs> but that planted a seed somehow. And six months later, yeah, I found myself 
literally writing the first children's story without ever intending to. There was just an idea in my head. It popped in and I decided to, well, by that time, Poet Bear had morphed into Blissberry Bear mm -hmm. because somebody else was using Poet Bear for children, not for books, but for something else. I didn't want to infringe. So I created Blissberry Bear because bliss is bliss. It's love. It's happiness. And mm. berry, bears love berries and Blissberry Bear just sounded good together. So I created Blissberry Bear who comes from the great bear constellation and his blue pearl starship to, you know, help children understand problems they may be facing or something they don't understand. And Poet Bear became Blissberry's friend who, when Blissberry wants to write in poetry, then Poet Bear takes over and writes the stories poetically. Wow, I love that. Yeah, and they have a bunch of other friends up there in the Great Bear constellation. You know, the Great Bear is their mentor, and Bhakti Bear is Blissberry Bear's sister, and she has more powers than Blissberry even has. Believe in Bear inspires children in many ways with Believe in Bear stories and being a Qigong teacher and Tai Chi teacher, I created Chi Bear, who has mystical qualities. Wow, this is fascinating. How did all of this really evolve? Because, I mean, that must have been the very beginning of things with the Poet Bear and then kind of it morphing into Blissberry Bear. And how did the fairy tales just manifest out of you? The poetry just flowed for you naturally, or how did you make that transition? I still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I always seem to ask these kind of questions. I'm not quite sure about that. Maybe that's, that's something you should meditate on. <laughs> <laughs> well, simultaneously at that same time in my life, my life literally fell apart, you know, kind of within this whole framework of things. The CPA thing was falling apart. My family life fell apart. Uh, my marriage fell apart. I literally laid in bed crying for three days. I did not eat. I did not drink. I did not get out of bed. I just cried. And at the end of the three days, I found myself literally just yelling to God and saying, God, if you exist, I need to find you. I've prayed now I lay me down to sleep ever since my mother taught me. I not missed a night. And if you exist, I need to find you. And shortly after that, I got the inspiration to get out of bed. And I looked in the mirror and my body had lost a lot of weight in three days with no food and water. And I literally felt Christ standing behind me and I heard, I will remake you in my image. Oh my goodness. Really? That is just absolutely amazing. Go on. Yeah. I remembered the prior year when I was in Hawaii auditing this company, and I became good friends with the president of this escrow company. And when I left that previous year, she said, you know, if you ever need a couch to hang out on, get your head together, just give me a call. And I remembered that. So I picked up the phone right away. And if there was ever a time I needed to get my head together, it was then. So I called her up and asked her if she still had that couch offer. And she said, well, no, I don't because I bought a house so you can have your own room, which was great. <laughs> Yay. Wow. And in, in Hawaii, nonetheless, right? And in Hawaii, nonetheless. Yes. Yes. I loved Hawaii. I'd been there before and that, that was heaven to me. 
that was when I was doing those seminars all at the same time, putting the seminars together, going to Hawaii. The idea for the first children's book hadn't even popped into my head at that point in time. You know, I got to Hawaii and she gave me a book. She says, I got to go to work tomorrow. I want you to read this book. And it was Past Lives, Future Loves by Dick Sutphin. And I'd never heard of past lives ever. So I sat in the backyard the next day and started reading that book. And I wasn't even a couple of pages in. I just started bawling. It's like mm. all of a sudden things that my daughter, ever since she'd been born, had been trying to communicate to me sort of sunk in and other little pieces of my life kind of fit together and i all of a sudden realized you know there's far more to life than i ever knew and so that literally started me on a search and i couldn't get enough readings and at the end of a week-long seminar i did where the last two days i did not sleep because I was running this all by myself and I had 40 participants from all around the country. And so when it was all done, after two nights of no sleep, I laid down and found myself leaving my body. Mm. And I was with somebody and they watched my body literally almost like die. I watched their reaction from outside of my body. I was scared enough being outside of my body by myself. I bet. And somehow tuning into what they were feeling and what I was experiencing, that jettisoned me right back into my body, which jettisoned me right out of bed and calling a therapist I had seen a few times and asking, you know, it's like help, you know, what what in the world is going on? She said, I'll get out of bed and ask Baba what to do and I'd seen her a few times and I never heard of a Baba, whatever a Baba was. And she called me back in 15 minutes and said, Baba says to eat something sweet and go to bed. And funny enough, nine months before that, before I had ever had that three days of in bed crying and yelling out to God, I took a Valium for a minor operation. And when I went to bed that night, I also took a pain pill. And right after I fell asleep, I had this dream of driving a car around a mountain road with a passenger. And as I'm going around one of the curves, I remember saying, I can't control it any longer. Having no idea it was, I was literally saying, I can't control my life any longer. Mm. And the next thing I know, my eyes are wide open and it's like I'm in a 1950s movie theater and I'm looking at light streaming out of my eyes, playing a movie on the ceiling. And I'm watching them carry, I'm watching the car had wrecked. They're carrying our bodies away. And that sort of freaked me out. So I just closed my eyes and went back to sleep and took a pain pill the next night again, went to sleep. This time I, I have another dream and immediately I awaken out of the dream and I open my eyes and coming out the wall across from my bed is this man with a stocking, orange stocking cap on and a beard. And he's just coming in and out of the wall towards me. That was more freaky than the accident. So again, I closed my eyes and said, I'm a certified public accountant. This does not make sense. <laughs> does not compute. <laughs> so I, um, yeah, I didn't take any more pain pills. It, that, that I didn't want any more experiences like that. And so it was, it was nine months after that, that I had those three days and starting that journey. So 
as I look back on it, it was God coming mm. to search for me. And so when I got out of bed and called up my therapist, I found out later it was Muktananda, it was Baba coming out of the wall at me. And I actually, mm. two years after I started meditating, found a picture of his in a book that was the exact same image that came out of the wall at me. Oh, it's amazing. This is no no coincidence. This was all meant to, yes. to happen. And it was a way of you waking up. I mean, these are very profound events and almost planned at appropriate steps in your life or points in your life. Yes, pre-planned because like I said, I you know, I never went searching for a meditation path. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was the last thing I was searching for. But, you know, as my therapist said, you know, she called me the next morning at some ungodly hour at that time to me. And she asked me if I wanted to go chant with her. She asked me how I was. Did I sleep? And I said, yes. And she said, would you like to go chant with me? And I asked her what chanting was. And when she told me, I said, no, I do not want to do that with you. I don't sing for anybody. I don't sing in the shower. <laughs> I'm definitely not going to go sing with a group of people. I have no idea who they are. <laughs> <laughs> and I asked her if she would meet me afterwards for breakfast. And we met and talked and she brought me a book by Ram Dass and she gave me the name of an astrologer and she gave me the name of a yoga teacher. So I read Ram Dass's book, and there was a line at the end of one of the chapters that said, listen to your own truth. And of everything in that book, that was the one line that just literally jumped out at me. Mm. Had no idea what it even meant. Mm. And I wrote to Ram Dass and asked for some clarification and also asked him if I could use that line as a book title. I still haven't written that book yet, but you know, he wrote back and we had several conversations. And so at some point I am going to write one of the stories called Listen to Your Own Truth. You will, definitely. Oh, my goodness. And you know, yes. you know much more what it means. Yes. Now I've, I've had to. <laughs> yes. You'll be ready to write that book because of the experiences that you have been through. Yes. You know, some of these experiences, I think they catalyze. They're, they're in the books in various ways. You know, the astrologer that I went to see after the very first, I mean, he's the one that, no, he's not the one that told me I changed careers. That was another one. This one picked up on the fact that I was a risk taker. I left that first meeting with three things. He told me, there's three things you never do in life. You do not fly airplanes, you do not drive motorcycles, and you do not drive speedboats. He saw in my chart that I take risks and that those things don't mix well with risk. <laughs> <laughs> he was giving you a warning. He was. You know, he was. I had a tendency to drive fast and always carefully, but I did drive fast. And it, it's amazing because one of my sevas at the ashram for years was driving vans and picking people up and taking them from various parts of the ashram to other parts or picking them up at the airport. And I had to take driving lesson classes live with a professional driving instructor. And I also had to watch movies of what happens when you don't pay attention driving. So God drummed into my head to slow down <laughs> and, and not take risks. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that astrologer said after that first meeting we left, he said, here's your homework. 
When you go to sleep at night, I want you to fill your body with white light as you go to sleep. And as he was telling me this, he looked in my eye, he was looking in my eyes and he said, you have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? And I said, that's right. I have no idea what you're talking about. And he says, well, do you ever watch Star Trek? And I said, yeah. And he says, well, you know, when they dematerialize, you know, and they, all those little sparkles, he said, when you go to sleep at night, I want you to breathe all of those sparkly lights into your body and fill your body with light and then see that light coming out the palms of your hands and the soles of your feet and surrounding you in a cocoon of sparkling light as you go to sleep. And I did that every night for 10 nights and I was taken to places in the future. I was shown events that had happened in the past. It was quite a marvelous experience. And this is all at the beginning of me just exploring and learning about meditation. And wow. again, that got me into a meditation path without asking, just like writing the books. You know, it was a, my mom's comment. And then something six months later, that first story ar arose. And so to get to the long way of answering your question, once that first story popped out, mm. then it, just idea after idea popped into my head. I never had anything like that before. So just like I never intended to start a meditation path, never went looking for a meditation path. I mean, lots of people do all kinds of practices to get out of their body and experience that. And I didn't have to do anything except get super tired. And with the stories, you know, I even, I even doubted, you know, it's like they were coming so fast and God was giving me signs that, no, this is, this is something to follow. I remember one of the first few stories that I wrote, I was writing the ending of the story with the words, and she disappeared. And as I wrote those words down, my mother and grandmother in another room in the house were watching television and whatever program they were watching, the lines that the character said were, and she disappeared. Oh my goodness. Which was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And another one of the first stories I wrote was all about circles. And that night after writing that story, I lit a stick of incense before I went to bed. And when I woke up in the morning, the incense had all burned, but it didn't burn into ash. It had all, it curled up in concentric circles, still attached to the little stick. Mm, interesting. And it's been like that ever since, you know, for 40 years, I don't think of stories, you know, it's like they just pop into my head and my daughter and I were on the beach one day and she was just having so much fun digging in the sand and finding things. And I thought, wow, you know, it's like so much is hidden from our normal sight. So I wrote a story about things that are hidden, like mm -hmm. butterflies hide as caterpillars. They hide in, in cocoons and fire hides in wood and oyster hides in a shell. And so I just wrote a story about things that are hidden, to look for the deeper meaning of things in life. This is fascinating what you have created as part of your life and what you're bringing to other people. What has really coming through, it seems like you have just, at one point you just surrendered and allowed whatever to presented itself. The way that you looked at it was an opportunity to explore 
to be curious, to explore it, and to allow it to just come through and be whatever it was supposed to manifest as. I'm curious, what are some of your favorite stories that have come through you? Every one of them. (laughs) Every single one. (laughs) I bet. My spiritual name is Ganesh. Ganesh. Mm-hmm. Yes. What does that mean, Ganesh? Well, it means many things. Most people think of it as the remover of obstacles. Think of Ganesh as the remover of obstacles. Mm-hmm. But Ganesh also puts the obstacles in your way so that you can learn from removing them. <laughs> mm. Most people don't know that aspect of Ganesh. But the, sa- the sage, I think it was Vyasa, was going to write this, you know, there's great Indian epics like the Mahabharata and a couple of others. And anyway, the sage was going to write this long epic and he wanted somebody to transcribe. So he summoned Ganesh to be the transcriber. Ganesh said, I'm willing to do this for you, but I'm I'm a very busy God. I'm a very busy dude. And so <laughs> you know, it's like, we got to We got to get through this. I got other things to do. And the sage said, okay, I'll honor that. But you have to fully know and imbibe everything that I write. And if you don't know the essence of it, then I get to take a break. Okay. Mm. You know, Ganesh had to learn while he was transcribing. If there was something he didn't understand, they had to go into it deeper. So that that seems like it's been a lot of my life too, is understanding things on a deeper level. So even like I've been writing stories for 40 years now, mm-hmm. and there's been times where I didn't write for years. I might get ideas, but I didn't write. It's not like the inspiration wasn't there. It's more like I needed to go to another level before I could write the next story and transmit the vibrations that wanted to come through that story. Favorite stories, as I look back and reread my stories, I'm amazed at rereading them because I don't feel like I authored them. So I'm amazed every time I pick them up and read them and say, wow, look what's in there. I have to admit, I haven't had the opportunity to read your stories. If there was a book for me to go to, and I probably should have asked you this, when we had spoken at an earlier time, but what would be something that I should pick up and read? I'll send you a copy of Fairy Tales of the Heart. I combined 14 of the stories into a book, Fairy Tales of the Heart, and Balboa Press published it. That resonates with me. And obviously you got Balboa Press to publish it for you. Share a little bit more about that. Yeah, it has... You know, 14 of the earlier stories that I wrote. Can I read the dedication to you? Absolutely. Let's do it. I did a dedication to my mom and my daughter and to Mother Earth and Divine Mother and Divine Father. But then it goes into a dedication to the readers. Fairy tales of the heart are reflections of your hearts and souls, eternal love. Be you infant, child, teen or adult, you were born with the love of nature firmness of truth, laughter of a child, strength of the wind, softness of a velvety rose, purity of fresh fallen snow, radiance of the brilliant sun, 
the beauty of a glistening rainbow, compassion of a loving, conscious creator. Blissberry Bear and Fairy Tales of the Heart are dedicated to you with love and Blissberry Bear hugs. Oh, how beautiful. That definitely would make me want to pick that up and read it. And that's, that's the essence of all of the stories. They're a blend of fantasy and reality and mystery and myth. They have values for children, principles of child development, human development woven within the stories. And that first book contained, well, the very first story is Blissberry Bear. That's how he comes to Earth in his Blue Pearl Starship. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and he's he comes at the bequest of a group of children from around the world who have gathered with their parents at, you know, some type of international conference. And the children see a lot of not so loving things in the world. And so they want to create a world of love. And they get together at night at midnight and send this wish up into the sky. And so Blissberry Bear comes down and that explains his Blue Pearl Starship. And they talk about things they see in their life. They want to create a land of love. That was the first story. And also in this book, the very first candy cane, which is how Santa Claus came up with the idea for candy canes. And it literally teaches children through the story about how we get ideas and how we can see one thing one day and see something else the next day. And then the third day, maybe those two things come together as an idea that creates something new. So that's all about creation and also sharing ideas, you know, so coming up with the name of Candy Cane, you know, that that's a project of all the elves when they finally get the idea and they've got it made. And so Santa and all the elves go through this process of coming up with a name and miracles are everywhere. That stems from me as a child, unfortunately, shooting a bird off of a wire with a BB gun that I got. And literally in that moment, the whole world went into slow motion. I, it, it was like I heard the little pellet go into the bird. I watched the bird in slow motion tumble from the wire down to the ground. And mm. every pore of my being knew that I had violated some principle of life and universal life. And it shocked me. So that BB gun. <laughs> oh, what a teachable moment. Yeah, and I love hummingbirds. So I integrated a hummingbird that a little boy shoots and goes to pick it up because he realizes he's done something wrong. The hummingbird comes to life and this hummingbird turns into a bird of light and it zooms up into the sky and it zooms back down. And every time it zooms up and zooms back down, it teaches the little boy that there's things in life that we don't see, like bedtime stories or a magic carpet ride into dreams and chores have another meaning to them. And so it's just showing children about different aspects of life. This is incredible. The Ballad of the Bees. I won't go through all of these, but Every one of these stories has a story behind it and how it was created. and It does. And I know that you're doing much more now because, you know, you've taken a lot of different ideas over time and you've got yeah. uh, something called Beyond a Book Club. Blissberry Bears Beyond a Book Club. Yeah. Share a little bit more about that and also some of the other endeavors. 
the Quantum Energy Academy. I'd love for you to share more about those two things and anything else. Yes, the Beyond a Book Club. It's it's a way that children can get either all of the stories at once or five stories a month along with an audio recording of all the stories. But one of the main aspects of the book club is I do a live monthly reading every month with the children. And then for the next month after that, they create their own illustrations of the story. So most of my books do not have illustrations in them. And there's a purpose for that. Really? In that when children listen to a story without being focused on an image on a page, then their minds are freer to create their own images without being influenced by what they're looking at. And the ability of a child to create images forms the foundation of their entire life, their ability to create. Yes. So my stories purposely do not have those images. I do not want to influence a child. I, yes. I yes. want them to imagine whatever they can possibly imagine based upon their own life, based upon what they're hearing. It also gives the child a chance to interact with the reader, with the reader of the story. So the parent can, you know, take time between each page and ask the child, what did you see? What What's happening there? And that can create a more of a bonding experience for the parent and the child. Definitely the bonding and the creativity for the child as well. Not being led with an image, but also giving them the opportunity to create their own image. I love that. Right. There's space on each page for them to draw what they see. Or again, they can tell the parent if they can't draw, you know, this is what I'm seeing. Can you draw it for me? And let's take a look and see what this might look like. So the children are going to get to submit their own illustrations and they can use whatever medium they want. They can use pencil, colored pencils, pastels, oils, fabrics, free to create whatever they want and take a photo and we're going to combine those pictures each month into a fully illustrated version of the fairy tale by children. So they get to participate in the creation of something, which is beautiful. Yes. And, you know, get the rewards of doing that and seeing the results of their efforts in a book or get acknowledged another way. And when the books are published, they can also earn royalties off of it for having the pictures in there so I can teach them a little bit about finances and accounting that way. Oh, that's clever. Very, very clever to incorporate something like that. Yeah. And then the club includes, for the founders, for the initial people that get into the club, it also includes two monthly live Zooms for the parents for life. So if parents have any difficulties or anything like that, that they just want to get in a group and share and figure out what's going on in their life or get a little support that they need at any point in time, they can pick that up too. So yeah, it's, I really just love this club and the service that it provides and the ability to be with the children and be with the parents and provide them a way to, you know, accelerate their own growth and navigate the challenging waters of life that we are all swimming through right now. Yeah. And what a beautiful calling that 
you just basically have stumbled into over, you know, over time, just how things unfolded in your life and what you are bringing to the world that helps so many children and so many parents. Is your book club all online? The book club's online. The meeting with the parents is online. And mm-hmm. sometime down the road, yes. My, my, my original vision with Blissberry Bear, you know, so when I started writing these, you know, a few years into these books, I decided, wow, I'm going to create a Blissberry Bear costume and, you know, like the Disney costumes. And I actually found the original maker of Disney's costumes who was getting ready to retire. And he decided he would do one last project because he loved what I was doing with the bear. So he created this beautiful Blissberry Bear costume for me. And one of the, uh, while I was there one day in his studio, hanging on the back of the door, I saw a deer costume and asked him if I could borrow it because one, one one of my favorite Qigong practices that I teach is the five animal frolics, which was the very first form of recorded exercise that we know about. And it was created by a Chinese doctor, I think 100 AD. He watched animals and, you know, he sees that, you know, animals in nature are basically very healthy. So he watched animals and he created movements based on the movements of a crane and a bear, a deer, a monkey, and a tiger. And it was my favorite. And so, you know, it's like I had, here I have this man making a bear costume for me. And he's got a deer costume there. And I thought, wow, I could actually get all of these costumes together and do the five animal frolics in costumes for kids. Mm -hmm. And so I bought the deer costume from him and I couldn't find a crane costume. So I made an eagle costume instead of the uh, crane and have a monkey costume and a tiger costume and then there was a couple of other forms of qigong i've learned over time and one of them is where you're patting all the meridians of your body and all of the organs of your body kind of like a gorilla pats their chest so i created a gorilla costume to do the padding for the children and then another mm-hmm. teacher taught me she was an international singing star and she would not go to bed until she had done an hour of Qigong every night. And she attributed her voice and her ability to be on tour to doing an hour of Tai Chi every day. Mm -hmm. And she taught this form called Sacral Dragon. And it was a form that was only known to the royalty of China. The common people were never taught this. And it's imitating a dragon. So I had this incredible dragon costume made, including being able to hook up a fire extinguisher to it and have smoke blow out the nose and the mouth. (laughs) Um, Oh, my gosh. That's that's incredibly creative. So I created the animal, the power animal frolics and do these Qigong movements that kids can follow along. And and it was magical, too. I'm honest, my, my life flows together as magic because. I had this man, I, I, I taught various forms of Qigong, various forms of Tai Chi and Reiki and meditation. And I had this man that filmed some of the different forms that I taught so I could share videos and my 
students could practice to videos. Mm -hmm. I, and we just went to parks and filmed. And when I got these costumes made, I called him up and you know just had the idea of going to a park and different settings and these animals. And he would film me like he did before. And then he just disappeared. And so I called up, uh, I was seeing a consultant at a time on something and she knew of somebody. So she said, here, call this guy up. He might be able to help you. And I called him up and he says, well, I don't do that thing anymore, but my ex-partner, you know, she might be willing to do something. And I called her up and met her and she just loved it. And she knew all of, all the ins and outs of Hollywood and for hardly any money at all. She had a professional filming done of me in a studio with children doing these movements. And she knew somebody who could take all of the raw film footage together and edit it. Mm -hmm. And that turned out to be the son. I don't know if you ever heard of Billy Barty. Mm -hmm. He's a, a midget, a tiny person. And he was funny and he was a clown. And he was one of my favorites when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. And it turns out the person who did the editing of this video was his son. Oh my goodness. So it was really magical spending <laughs> spending months, you know, once a week driving to where he was and going into his studio and just creating different things and putting sound effects in this five power animal frolics. I never envisioned anything like that, you know, having sound effects, having graphics. And it just all magically happened. It's like you said, I'm it's it's magic how it seems like my life was scripted to me and it takes things hitting me over the head many times to mm -hmm. get in line with the script and figure out what the script is and which part of the script I'm supposed to be following at this point in time. <laughs> well, you are definitely bringing some incredible things to the world and living your life in a way that things just sort of, you're allowing things to just unfold. And when we do that, when we just kind of like surrender and just not really be attached to things and really want to speak our own truth and be the best that we can be, you're just bringing some beautiful things to the world. And what better way to do it with children? I mean, and their parents and you know, what you're doing is really creating a space that is very, very sacred for children to really learn more about life, love, compassion, heart, you know, bridging fantasy with reality, mystery with magic, and allowing the creative flair to blossom within our young children. It's amazing. Yeah, and, and simultaneously encouraging the parents to provide the environment that that can take place for their child on a daily basis. So those principles of child development and how you talk to a child at different stages and the things you can do to support your child at different stages are all woven within stories. And I have a series of stories where you start reading to the child while they're in the womb. In fact, the, the child that's in the womb actually starts talking to the parents and mm. telling the parents, hey, this is what I need right now. Then it proceeds to some things they can do in the next years after birth. Yes. Yeah, so it, it's, really a, it's really family and 
supporting the innocence and the creativity and allowing that. Absolutely. Just the, the full, the full essence of that child to flower without, you know, being cut off. And it helps to support the parents and really cultivating their own intuitive abilities and being in touch with the child in the womb, you know, before it's even born, which is beautiful. Uh, very quickly, before we wrap up, I would love for you to just share a little bit about the Quantum Energy Academy. And then also, I'd like for you to just answer this one question. What are you most grateful for in your life? Hmm. Well, the Quantum Energy Academy, I've been teaching various forms of Qigong and meditation and Reiki, uh, Tai Chi, different movement exercises for over 40 years. I really attribute, you know, everything I do all the stories are God's grace. All of the practices I do on a daily basis and have taught over the 40 years have cleared my mind and my body so that I can be an open vessel to hear what God wants to flow through me. The Quantum Energy Academy, I realize that I have, I really have a lot of things I love to do. So I, I love writing children's stories and I love teaching all these different forms of Qigong. And I mean, I learned so many forms of Qigong, I had to give up. Mm taking them because you have to practice them to really know them and get the depth of them. And there's just not enough hours in any day to do all of that. So, but I do have a, a body of knowledge of moving arts, Tai Chi, Qigong meditation and healing arts, Reiki and other healing arts that very few people in the world have put together. So the Quantum Energy Academy is for anybody who wants to learn everything I know. And if they would like to carry it out into the world and teach, they get certified to do that too. Mm, wonderful. Because I, I want these practices to move forward into the world. What am I most thankful for? Yeah. What are you most grateful for? I am most grateful every moment of my life. And every moment is magical, truly magical. I don't know how I could even you know, if somebody had told me 40 years ago what I would have to give up in my life <laughs> in order to be happy, <laughs> in order to be blissful, I would have said, no, I'm not going to do that because I really didn't know what blissful was. I didn't know what living with a peaceful mind was like. Right now, my mind only thinks when I want it to think. Otherwise, it's totally quiet. So it's available to hear things that come in that want to be said through books. One day when I was meditating, when I opened my eyes in the backyard, the world had lost all of its hard edges and everything was in shimmering light. And ever since that day, I can see the world like I saw it before, where everything looks really vibrant. But pretty much my vision, the first thing I see is light, and I see the world superimposed on this field of light. So I'm just grateful that I live in a world of inner magic, and everything is beautiful to me. I've learned to take the opportunity to 
really be present in each moment and be with whatever's in front of me so I can be fully present for people. And I'm really grateful for that. I have no ulterior motives in there. You know, it's just like, I'm here for you and how can I serve you if I can serve you? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for every moment, Carol. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, the transformation that has occurred uh, within you, and particularly that point in time, really a, an epiphany, a defining moment in your life that just shifted your whole perspective on how you see, experience, and view the world. And what's incredible about that is not only are you experiencing the world in that way yourself, but you are creating the space for others in the world who come in contact with the work that you're doing to begin to experience elements of the world as you see it, which is a beautiful thing. I'd love to bring you back on the show again. We'll talk about all these other things that you love to, to do and that you've been involved in because that's another whole conversation that we could really dig into. What I would like to know is where can people find out about you you know, you have a website and there's so many things that you're offering. Tell us a, a little bit about the links that we can share with others. Yeah, the website is timothystutz.com. Timothy, T-I-M-O-T-H-Y-S-T-U-E-T-Z.com. And in the menu there, there's a freebie section where I have guided meditations for every member of the family. I have some Qigong exercises for every member of the family. There's some guided meditations for adults only. There's a couple of fairy tales for the children, some songs for the children. The Ballad of the Bees, I ended up writing a song for that, which I had no idea about writing songs either. <laughs> so the audiobook of The Ballad of the Bees has songs. And I just created a webinar that's in that free section also and it's three magic wands for more creative happier and empowered children oh beautiful well we'll be sure to include all of the links in our show notes that you just mentioned any parting comments before we close and wrap up Thank you for having me. Thank you for allowing my heart to rise up and share with your heart rising up and reaching out into the world to touch hearts and return people to that love that we all are. Well, thank you for that, Timothy. It's so beautiful and wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you. Just want to say to all of you out there, I hope you have enjoyed today's episode. Thank you for being here. Please check out Timothy's resources and, and site, and please share his message and this episode with others that you know would have an interest and benefit. And until next time, keep your heart rising up. Bye for now. We hope today's show helped to bring a bit more joy and happiness into your heart. We hope it inspired you to unleash your inner power and rise up to your best and loving heart-centered highest self. We'd be grateful if you'd leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews are important to spreading this valuable message. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and share the show with others. 
Visit HeartsRiseUp.com for heart-centered courses, guided meditations, and our popular Notes from Your Higher Self. Until next time, keep rising up and may all that you love thrive.